said? Cool. He said when, when Peter stepped out of the boat, Jesus received a reward, and that reward was Peter's trust. And Peter received a reward, and it was a new adventure. Yeah. Man, that was powerful, Shagoon. So I just declare that over you, that you would give Jesus the reward of your trust. <sighs> and that you would receive the reward of his adventure. Would you say that with me? Jesus, I give you the reward of my trust. And I want to receive the reward of your adventure. Come on, that's a good word, amen? Oh, thank you. Thank you, worship team. This is such a good morning. The presence of God has been just so thick and real. And that's our goal is anytime we gather together, whether it's for coffee or it's disc golf or it's a worship night in the park or it's in this building, we want the presence of God to show up and everyone to encounter him. So that's my prayer, and that's our prayer at Firelife, that we would host his presence. And I do pray that, that, that Jesus would receive the reward of our treasure, our trust, and our treasure, and that we would receive the adventure that he has for us, because God has something new for us right now, and he's just waiting for us to take hold of it. So, um, man, it's so glad to see you. It's good to see you again, Max, and your family. Um, we just welcome you, welcome you on Facebook that are watching, Jan and Cliff. Thank you for joining us. We love you guys, and uh, they sent a message, and we, they were old members in Arlington with us, and so we love you and hope you all are doing well. Um, man, it's just a good day, and I want to invite you to something Friday night. How many have heard of Sean Foyt and Hold the Line, uh, the, the things that have been going Anyone? Basically, he's holding these worship protests all over America. You heard of those? And uh, he held it at, at CHOP in the middle of Seattle. He held one in Portland. He held one in Cali all over California. He was in Washington, D.C. this weekend. And they had, did you see that? Anyone else see that? on? Fa oh, my goodness. Like, how many have been to the Lincoln Memorial before ever in your life? You know how big an expanse that space is. And as they begin to worship, they said estimates were over 50,000 people gathered there to pray and to ask God for revival for our country. And this is Sean Foyt, and it's called Hold the Line. It's a movement that he's doing. And this Friday night, he's coming to Fort Worth. And uh, really cool, Gary Langford and his team is going to be part of producing the thing and getting it ready and being part of it. I was excited. Josiah is part of that road crew. He's going to get to help set up speakers and cables for, for the band and all this kind of stuff. So I want you to show up if you can. It's in Fort Worth at Trinity, uh, Trinity Park there in Fort Worth. I believe it starts at 7 o'clock. But I promise you, you're going you're to need to get there very early. Um, if you've ever been to the, the Trinity River Park there, it's It's beautiful. The river flows through. There's a road one way in, and it goes all the way through the park, and there's plenty of parking there, but it's, it's going to be an awesome atmosphere. And uh, so it's this Friday. Um, you know, years, this was probably five or six years ago. Do you remember uh, the shooting that happened in South Carolina at the church? Anyone remember that, that moment? Um, for, for whatever reason, we were about to go on a family vacation, and I knew that there was something that was important for, for my family to, to go to that specific church in, in Charleston, South Carolina, and for my sons to see, um, to see that place. I don't know why. I, it was a weird thing. We were going on a fun road trip, and Dad's going to run it on the first stop to go to a place of mourning, a place of sorrow. But I felt like it was really important. I feel like it was a time in history that I wanted my sons to be a part of. So we went to that church, the, a, the ACM, I can't even, ACE uh, church there in, in Charleston. And as we gathered together, we saw people of every race. 
We saw people mourning together, laying flowers there and praying for the families and the victims. And when I thought I would see a place that was divided by race, I saw a city in Charleston that, was, that actually came closer. And it was beautiful. Like, I, we talked about it the whole way in. I was like, Charleston is this beautiful mix. It's a lot like Dallas-Fort Worth where we live next door to each other and where the races just mix together and it's not this divisive thing that other parts of the country have. And we experienced that. And I told my sons, like, this is a really big deal because a, a white, crazy person went into this church and killed black members because he hated them. And the people in the community aren't rioting and aren't going crazy. They're coming together in love in the streets and they're mourning. And, and we're all standing shoulder to shoulder praying for them. It was amazing. I wanted my kids to be a part of that. I feel like this whole thing that Sean Foy and them are doing is, is another part of a big movement going on right now in our nation. And if you can, make sure you're there. Take your sons and your daughters. Have them there in the moment and let them know why they're there. If you don't know why Sean Foy is doing what he's doing, it's because in a lot of states in our country, they've closed down worship. They don't let you worship in person. There's a church, uh, John MacArthur's church in, in California. He's fighting lawsuits right now where they're, they're facing, every person that goes to church is facing a $10,000 fine if they go to church in person, like today. You would all have received a $10,000 fine if you came. And there, there are things, and Sean Foy is like, no, we, we have the freedom of expression, the freedom of religion. And so he's hosting these worship protests all over, and they're baptizing new converts in the rivers, and they're going to actually set up and baptize there right next to the Trinity. No one wants to get baptized in the Trinity. <laughs> you never know what's, what's going to, it's kind of like naming the leper in the Bible. He's like, hey, go, go dip in the Jordan. He's like, hey, there's a lot prettier rivers around here we could go get baptized in. But be there, really. Make a picnic out of it. Go out there early. It's, the weather's going to be nicer. Six o'clock, thank you. Yeah, but if you, get, if you get there at five or six, you're, you're going to have a hard time getting in there. You need to get there a little early. But don't let that stop you. If you want to carpool, call someone. Meet us up. Um, we could just meet out at the park and throw the Frisbee all day. Get ready, whatever. But don't miss it. And if you can't be there for any reason, it'll be uh, streamed online. You'll be able to watch it through Convergence's website. I'll, I'll post that on her, on her stuff. So is that enough commercial? All right, uh, it's just good. Jesus, we love you. <sighs> Would you say that, Jesus, I love you? <sighs> Amen. If you want to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter uh, 28, I'm going to go there in just a moment. I'm going to share just straight from my heart today. Matthew 28. I really do feel that you're not going to recognize Fire Life in the next year. I really do feel like there is going, and I'm not just saying this like wishful thinking, hopeful thinking. I feel like I have a word from the Lord that, that there's seeds that have been sown that are about to produce fruit. And I can't explain to you how much I feel this in my spirit. And, you know, we, we, don't, we don't make decisions and we don't let our hope um, lie in what we see with our eyes or how many people are in this room. The Bible says that, that God can save by many or by few. 
He also says some trust in horses and some trust in chariots, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. And I feel like there is a calling on this church. There is a calling on the people of this house that you have a calling specifically on you that is unique, it's different, and God is about to uh, awaken that inside of you where you're going to begin to see like physical fruit of it. I really feel like we're at this point. And um, Manny and I have been spending Monday mornings at, at the coffee shop. She gets to hear me talk all the time about the church and what I feel God's doing. And so we go there and I just, I want to hear what she thinks about everything. Um, she's very pastoral and she's kind of behind the scenes in a lot of ways. And I want to hear what she has to say. And, and last week we had this wonderful conversation that just ripped my heart open, honestly. And I want to talk about that today. And I want to I want Fire Life Church to be an opportunity zone. How many have heard the word opportunity zone recently in politics? Um, Tim Scott, the great uh, senator from South Carolina, and Cory Booker, um, a Democratic uh, senator or congressman from New Jersey, they joined together and created this bipartisan effort to create opportunity zones in the United States. And if you don't know what that is, basically there are 8,760-something or somewhere in that number I hate this watch. Sorry. Siri. <laughs> Here's what I found. I don't even remember asking you a question. <laughs> so they created these opportunity zones. And what they, what they wanted to do was to create um, growth in impoverished and abandoned cities and inner cities. And they wanted to remove regulations and they wanted to remove restrictions that have, have made it difficult for businesses to invest and for schools. Um, many of the schools, I think there's 39 historically black colleges that were part of this program that they wanted to invest and sow money into. And the president signed this in, I think it was 2017 or, or at the end of 2016, 2017, signed this into law and they began to create these opportunity zones all over the United States. For the first time, and the most money ever poured into the inner cities is happening right now. It's amazing. They're creating, and what they're doing is they're just cutting the red tape. The things that makes it difficult to start a business. I don't know how many business owners are in here, but when you start a business, like there's all kinds of hoops and things you have to jump through. And what they wanted to do was reduce those things and, and give tax incentives to corporations and companies to come into these underserved, impoverished communities and pour money back into them and pour resources and attention into the schools and into the businesses. And it's working amazingly. Um, I, I don't know the numbers, right? I have, a, I have some stats here. I didn't want to get into all the stats, but I just wanted, I wanted you to know that over 30 billion, uh, 31 million people live in opportunity zones, and they're being served right now. The average income in these opportunity zones is, is like 20-something thousand less than, than the average income in the, in the U.S., and millions of dollars is being poured into these places so that they can flourish again. Places like Detroit that, that at once was one of the wealthiest cities in the world has just been ravished, right? Places like that are coming back to life. And she was saying that our church should be an opportunity zone. And we got into a real conversation. And, and before I jump into it, I want to read Matthew 28, verse 16 through 20. See, this is what we're all about. It's called the Great Commission, Right? Jesus commissioned the disciples, and everyone from that day forward who called themselves a follower of Christ comes under this commission. 
that he gives them right here. And he says to the disciples that he went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had appointed them. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus spoke to them and said, all authority. Would you say that with me? All authority. This is Jesus speaking. He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Everyone say heaven and earth. We talked last week that whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever we loosen on earth will be loosened in heaven. And Jesus is reiterating to them that I have all authority in heaven and earth. And he's telling you, I am giving this authority to you. You get to borrow my name. Come on. And so he says, this is what you're supposed to do. And every one of us that call ourselves followers of Christ or Christians, this is what we're called to do. If you're sitting there or if you've wondered over the last few weeks, I don't know what my calling is. I don't know what I'm supposed to do or how I'm supposed to help the kingdom. This is everyone's calling, all right? He says, go therefore and make disciples. Everyone say, make disciples. disciples. And he said, of all nations, He said, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach them to observe all the things that I've commanded with you. And I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And this is what we call the Great Commission. This is what we're all called to. And if we as Fire Life Church don't get back to that being the central focus of what we do, every single one of us, then we're going to miss out. And this isn't a church commission. This is an individual mandate for every follower of Christ. You are supposed to make disciples. You personally are supposed to make disciples. I'm supposed to make disciples, not just people that come to my church. You're supposed to make disciples in your workplace and on your soccer team and in the PTA that you're part of and in the community that you live in, you're supposed to disciple them. You're like, well, I don't really know what that looks like. That's because we've really done a poor job over the last few years in the church, our church and the church as a whole on what discipleship looks like. It's not a class. Discipleship is not a class. It's not a teaching. It's not a training. It's not sitting in a room hearing a person talk. Discipleship is doing life with each other and iron sharpening iron and strengthening one another. And when someone's struggling, you encourage them. And when someone has a victory in your life, you celebrate with them. When someone is mourning, you stop what you're doing and you mourn with them. When someone's out of line, you say, hey, that's not okay here. That's discipleship. It's praying for our brothers and sisters. It's teaching them the things that Jesus has taught us. It's putting on display the things that we say we believe. This is the Great Commission. And I want you to know that this is my job and your job in this church, is to make disciples and to teach them what Jesus taught, period. However we do that, whatever expression that looks like, if it's leading worship or if it's being a boss at your company or if it's being a a stay-at-home mom or a dishwasher at a restaurant, none, none of it is better than the other. Do what you're supposed to do and make disciples there. Make disciples. And so as we're sitting there talking, um, I begin to just, my heart, I told Mandy all week, I couldn't, I couldn't stop feeling what she said. And she said, I feel like a lot of our people are bored. And I was like, yeah, pro- probably so. Because Mandy will tell me if she's not in her calling, she will get bored. She'll be bored. She'll tell me, hey, this is, I'm bored right now. 
because I'm not in my calling. I'm not in my place. Like I need, I need to have an expression of prayer. I need to have an expression of intercessory prayer. And if we don't have that, I get bored. And what happens if we get bored? We unplug. And, and here's what, you know, maybe Rodney will remember this and probably Patricia on a Wednesday night years ago, we talked about being a team player and how in the kingdom there's not just one ball. It's not, and here's, here's my confession. There's not only one ball in this house that's, that's preaching. And I say, okay, I have the ball because I'm the pastor, and every now and then I'm going to let you have the ball and speak. That, that is... That is a good thing for us to do. I want to have a teaching team. I, I, I will always push toward that. But that's not the, the goal here is to have, have the ball of preaching or leading worship or playing an instrument. And what, I've, what grieved me was I began to think about it. And this was a private conversation that I'm going to make public. I don't, I don't have a problem with that. I leave fulfilled on Sunday because I get to operate in my gift. If I get to play in the band and, and play drums and get to be part of the worship team, I'm fulfilled. I love it. I, I love worshiping the Lord. I love being part of it. If I get to preach, I feel really good when I leave here because I'm like, God, I got to operate in my gift. But guess what? That's a very limited number of people in this room that get to leave fulfilled. If all that we highlight is the preaching and the worship, we have to be more than that. Are you, are you with me? And I started thinking about it. I was like, oh my gosh, we've got all these amazing. Unbelievably gifted people in this room right now. You're like, well, it's just a few of us. You're right. There's a few of us in this room right now. And when I look around, there are some unbelievable, you are gifted, amazing people. And I want to create an opportunity zone where you get to thrive where you leave fulfilled when you come together, where you're fulfilled in your ministry, you're fulfilled in your life, where you get, you get to shine in your gifting and your calling. The kingdom is not just for a few people. Are you all with me? There's not just one ball here. And I want us to create a culture where everyone gets to use their gifts. And I don't know what that even looks like, but I want you to know that I'm willing to figure it out. I know we've come a long way in a lot of ways of creating a, a more of a team atmosphere. You guys know me, that have known me for a long time. There is this old, old school competitive thing in me where I don't even care what we're doing. I'm like, just get me the ball and we'll win. I promise. I don't, it doesn't matter. I'm going to figure out a way. A lot, of, a lot of people in this room have that. That's like just, I don't care what the sport is. I'm not, I'm, I never played soccer. But I scrimmage with the boys. I'm like, dude, just get me the ball, guys. I, I, we'll win. I promise. We're not going to lose. I will not let us lose. And there's still some of that in me where I, I want the ball. And I just wanted to confess to you today that I'm sorry for that. And it's not intentional. It's never intentional. Um, but I want to figure out how to create an atmosphere where there's an explosion of your creativity, an explosion of your giftings and your callings, where you never sit in a church and are bored ever again. And what I discovered was you being bored is part your problem and part my problem. Where used to, I would have said, oh, it's your problem for being bored. <laughs> What's your problem? Figure it out. It's also my job to help you not be bored. 
I knew I should have stuck to my notes. I want to lower the barriers of entry and remove any glass ceilings that are here. You've heard the glass ceiling thing. Like we can say, oh, there's not a glass ceiling. There is a glass ceiling. In almost every culture, in almost every organization, there is a glass ceiling. It may not be intentional, but there is a place where more people can become involved. There is a place that we can press that ceiling to get more people in with an with a oar rowing in the boat. There is a place for that. And I want to kick down those barriers. And I want to break those walls. And, and my, my job is shifting in this season to where I, I'm going to be able to, to, to do this stuff more where I get to activate you and I get to be part of your life and figure out how to make you come alive in your ministry more than the, than the, 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 the other things that I have been doing. Does that make sense? And I feel very strongly about this. And I want, I, I want to say this to you. If you have been bored, I'm sorry, because I know what, I know what that feels like to feel like I have a gift and to be in a culture that says, we don't need your gift right now. We've got other people doing that or we've got better people doing it or people have been doing it longer or we don't even, your gift scares me. Like I know what that feels like and I want you to know that I'm sorry. And if I've created that culture here, I didn't mean to. And, and, and I, I'll take my lumps right here right now and tell you, I'm confessing to you that it ends. When Mandy said, talked to me about this Sunday or on Monday, I'm t- I literally it hit me like a, a ton of bricks because my, my intention wasn't the actual thing that people experienced. And it broke my heart. And I don't want you to get bored. And I don't want you to sit here with gifts that will unlock not just the church, the community. Like, I'm not just thinking about getting people in this room. When we were singing the last time when Kyle said, hey, sing, uh, oh, the overwhelming, nevering, when he's, that last time, all I could think is we're singing this to the community around us. When I was your foe, still your love fought for me. We are living in a neighborhood right, right here and right now that if, if you want to get down to logistics, they're at odds and at enmity with God. Most of the religions that they serve are idols that are an offense to God. And I just felt like we're singing this over them. Like there's a great big community out there for us to reach. And it won't happen if you come to church and we do our thing. And yeah, God's presence is here and it's awesome. And and people are friendly and and we we make it inviting. And we try to open the circle and invite more people in. And we leave a room. We leave an extra chair at the table so no one ever feels like they're imposing when they say, hey, can I sit with you? That's the culture I want to have. But it goes beyond just in this room, it goes outside of here where we're all demonstrating that. And I want to activate you. And I want Holy Spirit to ignite the passion that's inside of you, the gifts that are inside of you. Don't say the church doesn't need our gifts. Don't say the community doesn't need my gifts. Yes, we do. This is not, the revival that's happening on the earth is no longer the, the, the revivals of the big name ministries. It's going to be every person in, in little churches like this coming alive. And every person saying, I've got my part to play. And that's what I want to see here. I don't want to let, let you become bored. So here's what I discovered So I started thinking, well, I started making a list in my head. Okay, well, maybe who, who seems to be activated? Who seems happy right now? 
Yeah, I was sad that it wasn't a long list. <laughs> and it won't it won't be this way anymore. Period. There has to be an activation. <laughs> Preaching a sermon, singing a song, playing an instrument, leading a ministry, or having a voice, these aren't the solutions of engagement, but they are an overflow of you being activated. Like the, the, the things that we see that's ministry inside the church is an overflow of being activated outside of the church. Here's what, I'm, I'm going to read my notes and I'm just going to be more disciplined here so I can not be all over the map. Without a great deal of spiritual maturity and mental health, everyone who is gifted, who is unfulfilled, is dying a slow death. I'm going to say that again. This is what I discovered this week, thinking about this. Without a great deal of spiritual maturity and mental health, anyone who's gifted that is going unfulfilled is dying a slow death. Unless your job or unless something outside of here is, is uh, meeting that need. Without a great deal of loyalty, you'll be tempted to, to drift away. And I don't want... I don't want to stress your loyalty to the point of breaking. This is more like a family talk. We should have just sat in the living room somewhere because I'm sorry, Facebook Live. <laughs> I don't want to stress your loyalty to the point of breaking. I want you to be here because you're alive and you're on fire. And the loyalty is the icing on the cake. And the loyalty bonds us together, but we're all going for it together. You guys still Okay. This is not a fault in your loyalty or dedication. It is a problem with my ability to help you be activated. So those moments, if, I hope it's not, I hope it's not you. I hope there aren't people here that have had your loyalty stressed. But if it has been, I'm sorry. And I take responsibility for my part of that. And I don't want to stress your loyalty. I don't, I don't know how else to say this. Like, there's a way a man handles his business. And I want to handle my business as a man today. All right? I want us to do bold things together. I want us to take risk together. I want us to create tension that allows people to be stretched into growth. I want us to be uncomfortable. I, I want us to be put on the spot more so that our gift is put on display because that's the only way that we grow. When we have ministry times, prophesy. Come on. Prophesy over somebody. Don't leave today without prophesying over somebody. You're like, oh, no, I've never done that before. We're all called to prophesy, all of us, every single one of us. Do it. Prophesy over someone this week. You're like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm too scared. Or I, I forget about it. 
Don't forget, put a reminder in your phone that beeps at you every single day until it's done. All right. I want to close out. This, this is different. I know. I'm sorry. This is, this is what happens when Mandy and I sit down for coffee because she, she sees stuff that I don't see. And Mandy, thank you for that. Um, I want to address some lies real quick because we believe a lie. What do we do? We empower the liar. When we believe a lie, we empower the liar, period. And here are some lies. Our church is too small. So because our church is small, I have limited opportunities here to shine. Not true. That's a lie. The size of our church does not determine how healthy we are or how many opportunities we have or how thriving we are in the kingdom. It's not just about using our gifts. The lie is that, well, the only way I can be activated is to be using my gifts, but that's not really the truth. The truth is the way that I'm activated is that we go after Jesus together and that we pursue him with all of our heart. And in pursuing him with all of our heart, we find all other things. C.S. Lewis said it best, if you seek Jesus first, You'll get Jesus, and he'll throw everything else in with it. That's a terrible (laughs) version of what he said, but (laughs) he was a craftsman with words, and I'm not. (laughs) In seeking him, we get all things. Seek first the kingdom, his righteousness, and everything will be added. So the way that you and I can be fully activated and fully fulfilled is not just using our gifts. Because there's a way that we can do that and still miss this. There's a way that we can be fully activated and using our gifts and Jesus say, hey, I didn't even know you. Yeah, but, but Jesus, I was activated. I healed the sick. I discipled people. I cast out demons in your name. He's like, you did all of that stuff, but you weren't activated in your love for me. So I didn't know you. So the point isn't that we do stuff. The point is that we start burning for Jesus together. The point is that we figure out how in our conversations and the times that we're together that we invite Jesus into that conversation until it makes our heart burn for him. And when we do that, we will find all the other things that activate us in that moment. So again, the lie is not, well, if I'm using my gift, then I'll be activated. That's not true. You'll feel used. But if you burn for Jesus, you'll never feel used. Man. What's another lie? Well, our church only has a certain type of giftings or certain opportunities of giftings. That's a lie. The Bible says we're one body, many parts. There's a lot of gifts that he hands out. He loves to give gifts to his people. Come on. So I've taken publicly my responsibility. I want to tell you what yours is. Your responsibility is for you to fully show up. Be here. Be activated. Be present. 
Be present. Rip your heart open and communicate. Share with others. It takes all of us. Come early and pray together. And Mandy's like, yeah, that's my thing, baby. Fellowship with each other. Open At a table, at a seat at your table when you go eat after church. Don't have an exclusive lunch. Open it up for everyone. Come on. Oh, sorry. Prophesy. Stay later. Eat together. Open your homes. Hang out. Testify about what Jesus did this week. Be a disciple. Follow Jesus. Communicate. Be accountable. Take risk in relationship. Open the circle. Come on. Last lie. I don't have the time. It is. And it's the one that's the easiest to justify. Because we are all busy. I mean, I don't know many people busier than Matt, <laughs> honestly. And Matt finds time for the things that are important. I don't want to single you out, but you, I tell Mandy all the time, I don't know how Matt does everything he does, man. Good, no, I, I don't. Yeah, he still finds the time for those important little conversations. Like he's like, hey, I've got your back. He figures it out. It didn't take long either. Like, God, you're good at that, Matt. Thank you. I love your work ethic. It's beautiful. But we all have the time to do the things that are important. We said this so many times recently. I think if one thing we learned through COVID, it's we learned that we spent a lot of time doing stuff that really wasn't good for us or mattered. And time is more precious than money. You can't go get more time. The time of your kids are in your home, it goes so I can't believe Josiah's the man in my house now. I'm like, who's that man in my house? Don't you lower your voice when you're talking to me. <laughs> Take your shoes off. You're way taller than I am. What's going on? I am six foot, Joe. <laughs> six, he'll be 16, man. He'll be gone. I'm going to miss you when you're gone, dude. And went fast. It goes so fast. Right, Rodney? I picked on the old, old guy in the room. <laughs> I love Rodney. <laughs> It, it, <laughs> That's right. It goes fast, so pour your, pour your life into what matters. Only what's done. What's the old saying? Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Like, like this is what this is about. So I have an action plan that I'll be developing over the next few weeks on how I'm going to pour my attention into you. 
and not on whether the AC is set, not whether the lights are on or off. It's important stuff. It is important stuff. But it's more important that I figure out how to get you to burn for Jesus and to be activated. And so we've been talking about being gatekeepers. And if you missed last week, go back and listen to it, especially the point where I talked about burning for Jesus. This is where we're at. This is what's most important right now is that we learn how to burn for him. And when we burn for him, everything else that we need will fall into our life. It will line up, and there will be such favor and such authority in our lives. He's looking for people that, ha- that want the opportunity. Like Shagun said, he's looking for, for someone like Peter who says, hey, invite me to come walk on water with you. He's looking for someone who just says, hey, Jesus, I want to go on a walk with you. I want to do that with you. The curiosity, the the adventurous hearts. God, bring that back to us as a church. Would you stand? Jesus, we ask for you to rearrange our priorities. We give you permission to rearrange our lives, our values. Oh, there's this phrase that's coming in my head from, I think it was George Washington that said it. And he was talking to the patriots and how he was wanting to create this nation of opportunity for people. An opportunity zone where, where the taxes didn't cripple people's creativity. Where you could worship God the way you want to worship God. Like that's why this nation was created. It was an opportunity zone. And that's why it's still the nation that everyone wants to come to. Because there's opportunity here. And there was this phrase that they had that they would say to each other. They said, I pledge to you my life, my fortune, and my sacred honor. And they knew that their whole life was for one purpose. It was to create something that wasn't expressed on the earth anywhere before, that people were free. And they had the freedom of their will and the freedom of their conscience. And they gave their lives for it. The disciples did the same thing. They left everything they knew to follow this man, Jesus They pledged their lives, their fortune, their sacred honor so that the name of Jesus would be lifted up, that people would be lifted out of poverty, out of the the grasp of sin and the wickedness of the world. And, And I want you to know that we have the same opportunity today to become people who recognize the authority of the of the opportunity in front of us. Like it's for real, it's for keeps. And so I I would like for you to say this prayer with me. Father God. I pledge to you my life, my fortune, my sacred honor. Activate me. Help me to come alive. Help me to burn for you. 
Yeah, will you put your hand on your heart? Holy Spirit, I ask that you would make our hearts burn for you. Help us to love you like we did at first. May you have preeminence in our life. Above all, above all else, Jesus, be the king of our life. Hmm. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would activate our creativity, activate our passions, activate our giftings, our calling, 